I've had about you. Hey, and tell everybody about how what you've done to me and how bad you are and how much I, and hey, I, I, I make it so hot for you, you, you have to leave church. You go to another church. But I called the pastor there too. But anyhow, <laughs> but I didn't kill anybody. Jesus says, I want to suggest to you that you don't manage your anger, you eliminate it. And his language, listen to his language. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother. And then as we suggested this morning, if he'd have left that alone, she'll be in danger of the judgment. If, we, if he'd have left that, if he'd have just quit right there. But then he went into this demeaning thing. You know, belittling. See, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bad and I don't hate people. I just, I just belittle them. Just look down on them. Just. And he uses words like, whoever says to his brother, Raka, which is the word idiot. Whoever calls his brother an idiot, which I reminded you, it was interesting this morning, this illustration. I'm driving, all I had to do was say, I'm driving, I, I talked about idiot, and I said, I'm driving down the road. And that was all I needed to say. <laughs> Everybody got it. Because you've been there, driving down the road, and some idiot cuts you off. And you said, you idiot! Well, I didn't say it. Well, I thought it. So this is not a new set of rules. You can't call people idiots. See, if, if that's the rule, then I'm okay because I, hey, my mom, my mom washed my mouth out with soap, so I'm clear on that. And fool, then he goes on to the fool thing. Whoever says you fool, well, hey, I, I don't, that, that word's gone, so I don't use that word. That, so that becomes a rule. He's not talking about that, but see what you, and again, down south, we don't call people idiots and fools. We say, well, bless your little heart. See, it's, it's, see, I look at them and I go, oh, I didn't say idiot. Well, this is not a rule. See, this is what you feel like inside. So he's gone from anger to belittling and demeaning people. Uh, I don't know where you want to go with this, but do you, uh, you know, People that aren't like you come to church. Why don't they come back? Well, we didn't say anything about them. We were we were nice. <laughs> Why you weren't coming? Well, 
I said, Pastor, in all the meetings, the fellowship times, uh, all of those times, see, we, all of your people are uh, white collar. They talk about playing golf. They uh, talk about management. See, we're, I don't play golf. I don't. We just don't fit. Do you see anything wrong with that? I had long arguments with the church growth people over this. <laughs> the homogeneous unit. It's the idea that in church growth, you grow faster by ministering to your own kind. Therefore, we cluster around ourselves all of these. Can you see Jesus doing that? <laughs> it doesn't fit into the thought process. Think of your location in your church and the people that are all around you. So, see, this becomes not a rule, but a anger, demeaning, belittling. Well, manly, everybody gets upset. This is that's impossible. No, you're exactly right. Nobody can. You're right. You're right. Everybody gets upset. You're dead. Hey, you don't have to convince me. I've watched you. <laughs> but you're proving his point. You're helpless, aren't you? <laughs> so you're absolutely helpless. You couldn't pull that off in a million years. So would you do you do you think this is possible, folks? That an individual could embrace their helplessness and open themselves up, and he could literally come. Do you think that the actual nature, person, spirit of God could literally merge with a human being, and that person could become this, 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 his mind and my mind, his will and my will, his nature and my nature, and we could literally become, I could, I could literally become an expression of who he is. Now, the second illustration is morality. You have heard, this is verse 27, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Let me read it again. You have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now, the old-timer, he said, hey, I got these body drives. Everybody has them. And one of my body drives, I have a hunger drive. And one of my drives, along with all my other body drives, is my sexual drive. It's over here among all these drives. And it's just, it's over here in a corner. It's just one drive. It's just one appetite out of many appetites that I have. And hey, you can't let your appetites for a while. Come on. Everybody knows that. Hey, I like chocolate. Okay, but I know you can't eat too much chocolate. If you do, hey, what's happened? Your face will break out and you get a belly. So, hey, you got to get the thing under control. Get your appetites under control. And my sexual drive is one of those appetites. And you got to get it under control. 
can't just do anything you feel like doing anytime you feel like doing it. Good night. Take a cold shower. Get your act together. Come on. Shape up. So the old timer said, hey, I'm going to take my sexual drive, which is one drive of my mini over in the corner, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to draw a line, a line across which I will not go. And what is that line? I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I won't cross that line. Want to, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Emotional affairs, but hey, we never got physically involved.
I don't walk like my wife. Let's go to the mall, okay? And I'm walking along, and she's she's nowhere around. <laughs> she's ten pages. She's slow down. <laughs> and she walks like a woman. Good night. <laughs> That's sexuality. Whiskers on my chin. Sexuality. My approach to life is not the same approach as my wife. My wife has a problem, she goes to the corner and cries. I said, get a hammer and hit the thing. Never <laughs> more person. Take it a couple times. What? That's sexuality, folks. Please tell me one single area in my life that isn't connected to sex. My wife is just, sexuality is just, it masters, it permeates, it influences, it's expressed in every single aspect of the woman's life. Now, I don't know what you want to do with that. And I know you're going to quote to me the Matthew 22 thing where they came up with all these strict questions, you know, for Jesus. And one of this, this was the final uh, final week of his life. And one of the trick questions, of course, was the was the thing where the guy marries a gal and, and, he, and he dies. And then she marries his brother and he dies and marries his brother. And finally she had seven of the brothers and they all died. And, and then she died, which is not surprising. <laughs> so they're all dead. And in heaven, who's, who's white will she be? So that was the big question. Now, of course, they didn't believe in the resurrection. See, it was the Sadducees, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. So it was a true question. See, it was a meaningful, oh, I want to serve for two. And, and, and Jesus made some statements in there. But it's interesting that those statements are never made anywhere else. I'm not saying they aren't true. I'm just saying they're never made anybody else. And you want to take a whole biblical doctrine and base it on that one little passage? So you're going to tell me there's no sexuality in heaven and I'm going to tell you you're wrong? Do you understand that God created everything with sexuality? Plant life, animal life, everything has sexuality. And if you would reach into my wife's life and pull out <clears throat> femininity, who would she be? She wouldn't be anybody I know. So I'm telling you that femininity and masculinity and sexuality it's going to be an eternal thing. Because it's ingrained into you, into your very heart. And the issue Jesus is dealing with is not some little appetite over here. He's dealing with this expression of your sexuality. We got a guy at our church. I'm not very good at this, but he walks like this. <laughs> he struts when he walks. He just, he just, he's just full of himself. He just, he just absolutely, his sexuality is expressed. His, his masculinity is just. Well, see, he's helpless. He's helpless at the core of his life. And his masculinity is at the core of his life. And he's reached out and grabbed the hold of his walking. 
and he's giving expression to cover his helplessness. <coughs> That's what Jesus is talking about. In fact, he brings up, listen to this, another part of the passage. But I say to you, whoever looks. Now he's talking about the heart, but he's talking about looking. Now, what I've heard all my life on this passage is that I'm walking down the street and I look over to the corner of the, of the street and, oh, there stands a beautiful young woman. And I lust. I look at her and I lust. And immediately I've now committed adultery in my heart. That's not what he's saying. What is he saying? I'm walking down the street, I look at the young lady, and my heart is full of lust. And that causes what I see when I look at her. Do you see the difference? See, this is not I accidentally look. And then I, this is I, and that causes how I look. So my viewpoint, how I see things, is determined how by what's in my heart. And what's in my heart? Helplessness that's lined with sexuality. And unless I have him come in his nature and literally fill my heart and sexuality, I'm never going to be able to have the... Oh, wouldn't it be something if I could get the perspective of God and I could look at every woman the way God sees them. I wouldn't even need an accountability group, would I? <laughs> because again, how are you going to... Well, Jesus said, don't look at women. Bless God, don't look at women. Folks, this is not a rule. You're not going to pull that off. Why? Because women are everywhere. I'm going to look. Oh, brother. I mean, that's an impossibility. He's not giving you a new rule. He's saying what you need is a change in the inner heart, in the helpless area where that sexuality dwells, and you need, oh, if his nature could come, and you could literally view the, if your perspective could be dominated, could be his perspective. Isn't it interesting that sexuality is dominated by the visual. Fashions. Come on, folks. It isn't what's comfortable. Nobody cares. You don't wear high heels because they're comfortable. <laughs> Although I've never worn, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> See, I, whoa. It's dominated by what? Sexuality. My wife has this food channel on, you know? It's on all day, all night. I mean, I don't know why she watches it. She never cooks it in a second. She's folding clothes, she's folding clothes, and she has a TV on her So anyhow, I come in, and they got this contest going on, like chocolate, chocolate dessert. So they got this ingredients, and this ingredients, and they got two contestants, and hey, they make this, you got so long to make this dessert, and somebody's going to win. So this guy won. He just won as I came in. And uh, they were describing it. Why, why he won and what? He won because, see, he made this little cake. And then on top of that, he put this little, and then on top of that, he had this, and then on top of that, he had this, and then he had this, and then he had this. And the thing was so sensual. Well, how'd it taste? Nobody cares. <laughs> see, it was all, 
It was all I stuff. It was sensual sexuality in the food. Come on. Advertisement is dominated by it. See, I'm sitting before my TV. This, this commercial comes on for, for hemorrhoid medicine. <laughs> oh, but she, her voice is so soft. And she is so. I'm getting in the car going to buy hemorrhoid medicine. <laughs> They're selling me stuff based on visual sexuality. See, the, sex, the visual is dominated by this. You've got to admit that. It's dominated by the sexuality. 1953. 50s were. They were so cool. <laughs> 57 Jimmy's never been anything like it. Anyhow. Uh, 1953, the first edition of Playboy magazine came out. Today, Playboy magazine is valued at $4.9 million. Sex.com. <laughs> The domain name, no content, just the right to use the name on the internet. Sex.com is worth $65 million. Do you know that 28,258 people watch pornography every single second, which is all worth Every 39 minutes, a new pornographic film comes out. You say, well, that's out there. I know, it is. <laughs> that's not in here. Wow. Promise keepers. They interview promise keepers. 53% of the men claiming to be Christian have a problem with pornography. 45% of the so-called Christian homes in America admit that pornography is a major issue in their home. Visual. Now, when you come to the scriptures on the visual thing, do you now know how dominant the visual is? For instance, if you just stay in the Sermon on the Mount, listen to this. You've read this. This is uh, chapter 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. What you see? Looking. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Go back to Genesis with me. This is so interesting. In Genesis, devils come along, the snake, the serpent, come along, and the conversation between Eve and the devil. And, well, we're not supposed to eat of that tree. The devil has a statement to say. And here's what he, and, he, and when he gets done with that statement, here's what it says. Listen to this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. You know what the very next verse says? Then 
then this is the result of that. Here's the first result, the first effect, the first effect of sin in the human life. She's just eating. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew they were naked. Well, they've been naked all the time. Their perspective changed. Mm-hmm. How they saw things. Do you know in the biblical Greek, the writing of the New Testament, one word for hearing, akuo, five words for seeing. Do you know that there is no miracle in the Old Testament of the healing of blinded eyes? And the only one in the New Testament who ever healed blinded eyes was Jesus. Got to curb it. Don't cheat on your wife. Jesus says, I'm talking about what's at the core of your system. And its sexuality is at the core. And it lines, it literally infiltrates every arena of your life. From the way you walk, to the way you dress, to the way you handle yourself, the way you fix your hair, to the way you think, the way you approach life. Your whole life is influenced by your sexuality. And it determines how you view things. So what you need, he says, what the kingdom thing is all about is not, hey, get an accountability group, don't look at women. See, no, he says, what you need is to embrace your helplessness and let his nature come. And in the merger between him and you, the new creature thing that you've become in him, your perspective changes. Man, I want that. Wife and I have been married, I think, five years. Four or five years. I came home one day so excited because I found this was back a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I had found a 1938 Chevy. Now, it was old then. And I came and announced to her, I'm going to buy the 1938 Chevy. I want that 38 Chevy. <laughs> and you know what she said? No. <laughs> I said, I want that 38 Chevy. It's beautiful. And it's value. And deep value. She said, no. I said, I, I, I want to buy the 1938 Chevy. She said, we don't have the money, and you don't need it. <laughs> and you know what I did? Oh. I said, oh. I gotta buy that 1938 Chevy now, whether I want to or not, just to show you who's boss. Where did that come from? Was I into pornography? No. Was I cheating on my life? No. Because this is not a little, but at the core of my life, my self-centered, self-relying sexuality said, (laughs) 
there are people who don't think a dirty joke is funny? And if I ask you, what makes a dirty joke funny? Where are the punchline? That isn't true. Because there are people who don't think a dirty joke is funny. The proof of that, Sunday morning, this coming Sunday morning, right in the middle of your pastor's sermon, jump up and say, I've got a dirty joke I want to tell. <laughs> See how many people laugh. See how many people laugh. <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm out of here. so messed up because I've not embraced my helplessness 
and I've not been filled with him. So the answer is not out here. The answer is down here. The answer is not over here. The answer is here in the core of my existence. So I'm, 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 I'm pleading with you. I'm, I'm begging you. I'm. Let's quit the band-aid stuff. See, this is why I'm finding in the New Testament that there's never any indication in the New Testament about half-heartedness is okay. Partial commitment is all right. Lukewarmness, not bad. Half Christian, okay. Kind of Christian, maybe Christian. A little Christian. See, that's never any place in the New Testament. You're either all out or you aren't. You're either in or you're out. You either are. Why is that? Because it's relational. And it's this intimacy. It's this merger. It's this saturated with him. It's this, this, oh, I want his mind and I want his heart. And the solution to every single problem we've got is right down here in this embrace. His nature coming. And we become the kingdom, the kingdom people. The kingdom people. The kingdom people. on my wife, therefore I'm okay, and I feel good about myself. Or I don't look at pornography, therefore I'm okay, and I feel good about myself. But what about the way I walk? What about the 38 chimneys? What about my attitudes? What about the way I demean my wife? Masculinity just rises up and says, well, they're not going to take advantage of me. What about when they yell at me and then I, I yell right back? Because, hey, they're not going to push me around. tonight. From the depth of my heart, I cry out to you. 
in helplessness. There's no way in the world I'm going to live up to this standard. Unless you come. You're going to have to saturate. You're going to have to permeate. You're going to have to merge. You're going to have to soak. You're going to have to fill. You're going to have to go overwhelmed. See, I don't need a God out there on a cloud telling me what to do. I don't even need a God inside of me telling me what to do. I need a God who literally permeates my life and gives me his heart and mind and I begin to think like you think and want what you want and we begin to live together, you and me. Is that what Jesus was? As Jesus was the visible image of the Father. Oh, could I be the visible image of Jesus? In my world. I love you, Jesus. Plenty of food. There's a whole table full of desserts. You better get there before Kurt gets to it all back there. <laughs> but uh, you're welcome to stay in fellowship. And uh, we do um, appreciate uh, uh, Dr. Manley being here. Amen. 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 And uh, if you'd like to uh, give him a love offering, I'm sure he's not going to turn that down. And uh, he's got some books out on the table, uh, out in the foyer the other side of the sanctuary. And that's all of the commercial message I can think of. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're here. Enjoy your time. Uh, you stay as long as you want. If you stay too long, you might have to help put chairs up. <laughs> but, uh, no, we're not in a hurry. And there's plenty of food. Uh, we, don't want, we don't want to take any of that home. So uh, uh, it's good, good to be here. It's good to have... Uh, Dr. Manley with us, and he's got uh, his little dog out in the car. <coughs> and, uh, we're going to be going to hit the road here in just a, a minute or two. So I want to pray for him and uh, as, we, as we close up here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for Stephen Manley, and uh, we thank you, Lord, for his ministry. We thank you, Lord, for his willingness to drive up here and, and uh, share with us. Your word. We ask, Lord, that you would just keep him safe as he travels back. And tomorrow, as he uh, continues his ministry down there in, in Tennessee, Lord, that you would be with him. And, and uh, we, just, uh, we just give you praise. For you are the one who has shown us the way. And we're thankful, Lord, that there, there is that type of relationship that we need to be in. And that we need to be so intimate with you that, that, we, that we will know, we, we just know which way to go and 
We know your mind and we know your heart. We give you praise and thanks for, for the fact that, that this type of redemption is what you have brought to us. And this type of new birth is what you have given to us. And that, Lord, we just give you the thanks for it. There's, there's not words that we can express except to take all of me. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for this group of people and our fellowship, asking your, your blessing in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> she was right. She was right. <laughs>